You're currently listening to episode two of our January edition on Mission Disco. You can find episode one on the podcast episode list to hear the beginning of the conversation between Brian, Simon, and Matthew on coaching. This is Mission Disco, a conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick. And I am Brian Sanders. And we are your DJs for this conversation. When do you deliver advice? You know, and maybe maybe in a professional coaching environment that, that sort of takes one shape. Uh, but even in ministry where you're trying to listen to the voice of God, and, and we can and maybe should speak into each other's lives mm-hmm. without without sort of I don't know undermining this 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 posture of coaching. Talk talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So maybe just one thing about uh, around ministry and coaching, and something that really drives me personally is when I look at the life of Jesus, I'm convinced that Jesus's interactions with people in the Gospels. I feel like he's he's interested in in enabling people to become the best versions of themselves, and whether that's physical healing or mental healing, and and I just I think in coaching we're you're not you see it takes the pressure off you being in a sense the Messiah for them, but you've got you're 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 creating a conversation that will hopefully raise and help them accept personal responsibility for their own lives and this is a challenge because we're only responsible ultimately for ourselves and our habits and our emotions and our behaviors and any children we have over under the age of 18 (laughs) but everything else we're responsible to people but we're not responsible for them and sometimes i feel like if we go in and say this is like this is God's call for your life. I really think this is we're we're sometimes taking responsibility for them mm-hmm. and for what we think God's asking them to do. And in coaching, we're letting go of well, this is what I think, but maybe that's not the direction they're potentially going in. And they ultimately have to take personal responsibility. And so I I <clears throat> I think there's a there's a choice in this. Um, and that's always very important in coaching as well, is that you, if somebody doesn't want to be coached, mm. you really can push it. Mm. And so they call it a chemistry session in coaching where you sit down and you see, can we work together? And you talk about some of the things they love to do. And I think that is so important because if they don't want to take responsibility for going on this coaching journey, it's mm. kind of a waste of time in a way. So I think mm. there's that bit of helping people think about what accepting personal responsibility uh, for their lives um, and the role you play in that. And I think the other part is around self-awareness and raising self-awareness, self-knowing. Um, that that for me is one of the golden things about coaching. And I see it also in the spiritual life as well is as we get to know God, how do we get to know ourselves more? And I think over, I've heard this over and over again is um, in a coaching conversation, we are really trying to elevate this person's self-awareness and that they get to know themselves more 
they get to know when I shouted at my youth worker the other day or when I got frustrated with them what was behind that what was the trigger where else do I do that where else is it? so it's understanding triggers understanding these habits in our lives understanding when I uh, get down about something not happening and that affects my mood and then what are the thinking patterns around that and again, it's 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 elevating self-knowing. So that's something I think is really important in, in ministry, especially for people that are leading other people, which brings me to what you were saying. Is there a place for, in a sense, not just asking questions, but saying things? And, and I wonder, because I think your point is good, Brian, where you go, Jesus is the one who has the answers and who has the we're submitting to Jesus, not to the coach or to the mentor or to the church leader or whoever else. And I, 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 I'm just sitting here wondering, is, is coaching one thing that we need to embrace in the church? Is mentoring now outdated or is there space still for mentoring where someone is a little bit more of that, give advice and listen to where you're at. Mm-hmm. And actually we need both of those relationships or is one better than the other? I don't know if you've... Well, that's the thing about, co- about co- most coaches, most professional coaches would say, that there is a place mm-hmm. to not just ask the open question, but say something. Mm-hmm. But people would, uh, I've heard a lot of people say that they would clarify that. And I've done this myself. If, if you do speak in and say, you've listened and, and you say, how does this sound? Uh, okay. I just, I, I'm just, no, I'm, fe- I'm sensing something myself and I just want to see, mm. I'm just going to throw this out. How does this fit or sound with you? but always asking it, clarifying it with a question. So instead of just saying like, well, this is a, this must be what you're feeling. Mm. When you do offer advice or when you do say, well, could it, could you not look at it from another perspective? A lot of people would say, yes, there is a place for that in coaching. But yeah. again, don't take responsibility <laughs> for it. Give mm. them the ultimate responsibility of mm. well, what, what do you want to do with that advice, mm. for instance? So I, because I, I think again, like there, there's a lot of mentoring is still quite big, and I, I, I think there is a space for that. I, I, I wonder again in in the church uh, space. I, I do think there is a space for mentoring, but it's it's not to say that coaching is just asking questions. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But clarifying and those the, things. The mentoring yeah. thing, I think, probably sits better with the pastor teacher person, the person who is trying to help someone mm-hmm. like if you're in a mentoring role then it's easier to give that advice ask those questions and then give some advice at the end whereas the coaching role maybe becomes because it's more about helping the person discover we're less trained in that or we're less aware of that maybe but there's a couple of harsh realities here one is people don't take our advice as seriously as we think <laughs> what so, yeah so even even just the whole top-down delivery system of I'm going to give you my advice and you walk away feeling great. Like, oh, I wasn't I helpful, you know, value added. But people aren't, they're not engaging it because it didn't come from them. It wasn't, it wasn't generative, you know, in that way. So number one, it's probably not that serious. Two, I think we talk about this a lot, but there's a lot of fear in older leaders to enter into something like coaching because it's so vulnerable. Yeah. You know, we, we would rather fake being competent and then, to just admit, I don't know something. It's a very difficult place, especially especially people over fifty. Mm. I'd say it's it's like they were they were just trained to know things and to be the smartest person in the room, and to mm. that's how you brought value. And this really is a flipping an inversion of that for them. 
you know. Yeah. And and I think you know when you're th- talking about even having a team and bringing a team along with you and like what is it that a person ultimately needs from you as the as the pastor? Do they need the answer or you know, I remember this quote from a old psychologist Heinz Coat said by midlife, people have essentially two needs. Either they want to be admired or they want to be understood. And the coach is a master in helping that person really feel understood. And the feedback so often is that whether or not they got that golden ticket answer, they left the session thinking that person understands me. They get me. They understand where I'm coming from. They understand who I am. And sometimes that's more powerful. That's a need that's being met more than this particular issue that I'm facing on this particular day. And so the leader, in a sense, to be able to demonstrate that, again, it's empathy, um, I think is very powerful, you know, and whether it's like it, but it is more vulnerable. I agree. I think it is more vulnerable to get to the end and say, gosh, I don't actually have an adequate answer here to give you. Which I know, I mean, just speaking personally, I've been in situations where I think if if I if I sort of unveil the complex problem I'm facing or and, and someone just says, Well, this is what you should do, some sort of simple, you know, basic piece of advice, I, I would almost find that very I don't know, offensive. You know, it's, this is a very complex thing I've just laid out. And if you just tell me, well, just do this, you know, I just think, oh, I'll just write this person off, you know? So maybe sometimes the only right, the only right response is to say, this is really complicated and I'm, you know, I'm with you, but still, what can you do? And what do you think you ought to do next? And to trust the, the spirit of God in that person to actually already be prompting them towards some step of obedience um, now, I would say there is a place in Christian coaching, in missional coaching, to deliver <clears throat> what could be considered like a prophetic utterance. Like, I think God might want you to hear this. But what I find, number one, what I find is that prophetic utterance is not till the very end, and it's not till you've done mostly listening and respecting and and helping the person kind of go on an internal journey. Two, it is still entrusted to them to discern whether it's right or not. So you, you know, it's still up to you to to say, I think that's God. Yes, I think I think that what you just said is God speaking to me. And it does come from your discussion. It comes from I'm 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 in a sense a mirror for you. I'm just showing you what I hear you saying, and maybe what you have this you lack the slight the last little bit of courage to see. And I I'm going to say it to you now. Like in a plain way, I'm going to say it to you. But you know, Aristotle said if you want to if you want to straighten a bent board, you have to bend it the other way. So I would say to people in ministry, it'd be better to just to just see if you can do some coaching with no advice giving at all for a while, <laughs> with no delivery of a prophetic word at the end, because you'd always be in danger of just waiting till the moment where you can finally give the advice. You know, you're sort of like, well, I'll do what they told me and listen because I'm supposed to. That's a new way of doing things. So that I can finally get to the real good stuff, which is me delivering value and telling you what you should do. And maybe maybe for a while, people in leadership, in Christian leadership, need to just just fast from that. 
Just don't do it at all for a while. See if you can learn to genuinely have a, a, an hour or two with a person and just be fascinated with them and just walk with them. Be present, as you said. Be attentive. Um, earn that, in a sense. Earn that right to say something prophetic into their life because you have been a genuinely curious, genuinely. What is it, you know, do you think, that then stops churches or church leaders because you know we look at ireland and coaching i think in the business world is quite big but we don't see it a huge amount in churches or people trying in churches and you know talking to you matthew about it it sounds like it's it's a process it's a long time it's not just we have an hour and then the last five minutes i'll tell you what to do and you go and do and i never see you again so there is a, a a time it takes time to do it but why don't we see it what is it is it the model doesn't work is it people aren't trained in it people aren't aware of it if i have any thoughts on that hmm. It's a very good question. There could be n numerous things. The things that pop into my head straight away are um, it takes time. It's patience. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes if I if I feel like I, I know what I want to say here, <laughs> I, but they're not getting to it, we just want to say it. But when we do that, we underestimate the power of the aha moment mm -hmm. when somebody just says, oh, it's one of the most powerful moments in coaching. If you're sitting with someone and there's a silence and they're just, oh, I just realized mm. something. In terms of what they will actually do with that afterwards, what they will go home and remember, you know, like what we take in, how much we actually take in. So, but, but that we don't live in that world where there's patience really. Yeah, yeah. Now that can be created, but when we're, when we've got 10 or 12 things to do and we have a staff person, we just, you know, we, we want them to get there faster. Um, that can be something I think that mm. yeah holds us back. And again, it's not to say that like sometimes we just we need to get ten things done, and it's not to say there's not a we should all be like almost zen like all the time. And so mm. tell me what you think about this, you know? And they just when you just need them to go ahead and buy the milk or whatever, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> but I I do think that it requires patience. It requires uh, you said trusting God's spirit in them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in my uncomfortable moments as a coach, I want the control. Mm -hmm. I want to know where the convert, I want to control the conversation. And it's hard sometimes to relinquish control and just allow the conversation to go where it goes, allow the spirit to d direct it where it goes. And, and to just to trust that just as you are, just as the spirit is capable of speaking to your life, the spirit's also capable mm. of speaking. And, that, and that's an answer to your question too, is what, what has kept the church from maybe growing in this competency or being an environment where this can flourish? It is, it is because we were, we were taught, we were trained that leadership is about control. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we were not trained to be vulnerable in leadership. So we're still, it's really hard to, to understate the implications of the great man myth and what we have prized as leadership acumen or skill within the church is the singular leader who has the answers and who sits at the top of a hierarchy and trickles down those answers to the people. And so to, to, to be a leader at the top of the hierarchy who does not know the answers is just anathema to the way we've thought about church and leadership. It's just, it doesn't exist. 
I'm finding, we're finding that people are, are sort of uh, becoming uncomfortable with that notion about leadership. So they're saying, well, this can't be right. But those are kind of secret um, concerns that they have. And it's, it's, it's not really fully found its way into our notions about leadership, the way we train, uh, the way we talk about it, and even, and even what the people want, you know, sort of the popular desire to have a leader at the front of our church ship, the captain of the ship. Is, do we, are we really ready to accept a, a captain who, when we sit down with them, we say, you know, I'm in, the, I'm in this crisis in my life, and they say, you know, and what else? <laughs> tell me more and what do you think you should do and what do you hear god saying to you and what what matters to you most in this situation and it almost it almost feels to me like the people who we lead might be angry at that they might be like what well, i i didn't come in here to listen to myself talk i you're, you're supposed to, to tell me what yeah. to do. You're, and they expect that. And it, yeah. in some ways, it's easier to lead in the way where you just give the answers. Much it's easier. easier. It's yes. quicker. You don't have to meet them three times over three weeks. You know, it's just a five-minute conversation. Go and do this. But as we said earlier, it doesn't always work. But people want that. Whereas actually in coaching and leading people this way, you're empowering people. And although it takes time initially... It's like Jesus spending time with the disciples. It takes time initially, but then the effect of that is massive. The people are able, are empowered to make their own decisions, are empowered to lead. Yeah. And suddenly you're doing a lot less because there's more people up speaking or out on the streets or doing prayer ministry or whatever. It's not just you trying to do all those things. And they could do that with others. They learn yeah, in exactly. that moment, like, I could probably be this for someone yeah. else as well. So it has a multiplying effect. Mm. And I think it isn't, that's the word I've been thinking about is empowering. If you can empower, take any kind of example at the most basic coaching conversation around, well, you're, you're looking to do this and you have lots of obstacles and they've come to you and just, well, what, what, what could you do? And they might say something and they say, well, I couldn't do that. And then you like, instead just fasten on that and say, hang on now, you just said you couldn't do something. So what is it? What are you assuming that might be limiting your thinking in this moment? Why isn't that possible? And those are, it is empowering for someone to think about, well, here I am currently, and this is really where I want to go. And you've done the and what else questions and you've figured out, but this is really where they want to go. And you can, you're, you're watching for that energy and that aliveness and that, that inner motivation that is bringing them joy. It's the reason they're here in the room. It's the reason they've showed up and to be able to, in a sense, fasten onto that, latch onto that and say, okay, what are the obstacles there and how would you solve them? If you, if I was to give you a pill that would solve that um, problem in, you know, a day, like what, what, what would that look like? And just getting them to mm. think out loud about those things is empowering because we can, in a sense, be prisoners in our own minds so often. And to think out loud and say, well, actually, there's nothing that's stopping me, but for the last two weeks, that has stopped me. <laughs> and it's almost when we say it out loud, we think, gosh, it's so much bigger in my mind mm. than it was out loud. Mm. So over the long term, I think, um, I think it can make a big difference. And I think a lot of this actually is ingrained habits. We just, this is the way that it's always been. So yeah. why, yeah. why change it? Yeah. Why change the culture if this is yeah. the way it's always been? And even for the person who's being coached, they could they could just be coming in thinking well it's always been the way it is that i just asked for 
I ask for the answers. And again, it's it's hard at the beginning to change behaviors that have been ingrained over years mm-hmm. and years. And there is something too here for us as, as leaders about letting go of control, about yeah. not about being the person that asks the good questions that is that loves that way and doesn't need I mean in a sense in a good coaching session a person walks away thinking they came up with the answer mm-hmm. because they did and and you don't get as much credit actually <laughs> yes. as a co- you know you have and you have to make peace with that I think yeah, as yeah. A, as a leader in this time yeah. and going forward in the church we need we need church leaders who who take who relish that who take joy in seeing a person kind of hear God's voice somehow in that moment. And you're in a way you're left out of it. So when the story is retold, they'll say, yeah, just it occurred to me or mm-hmm. I realized or God showed me. And maybe you're not even in the story at all, which I think is actually perfect. You know, it's exactly what we want to happen, but we have to enjoy that. We have yeah. to want to be a kind of leader that, that sows those kind of seeds. Yeah. And the coaching church leader is faced with a few choices. So they, so say, for instance, you've asked some good coaching questions and they, um, the person says something that you weren't expecting them to say, but you can see the spark in their eyes. They've just, they've, they've connected dots, but you, it, that wasn't your experience of the same problem 10 years ago. Mm. It's something else completely. Right. Mm. So in that moment, do you dampen that or do you fan the flame of that mm-hmm. idea? And that's the letting go. That's the, oh, that didn't, that's not how I that's saw not it how work. You do it, yeah. That's not how you do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're onto something there. And that's what the attentive coach can do. The, the, the attentive coach is not tuned into their own thoughts of, um, in a sense, judging the situation and saying like, oh, just this is exactly how it worked for me. The attentive coach is watching for all the, you know, that 90% of communication that's nonverbal. They're watching for those things and they're ready to, in a sense, go with the person in that vulnerable space of, if I take them, if I go with them here and help them develop this, what if it doesn't work out? Mm. And that's vulnerable. Mm. The what if it doesn't work out? It's the unknown, Mm. I suppose. And yet it's very compatible with, you know, faith in God. And, and believing that mm-hmm. the spirit of God mm-hmm. inside the people that we're trying to lead is probably the most significant factor in the conversation. You know, it's mm-hmm. much more important than we realize. We, we often, we often do act as sort of functional atheists in a counseling situation where we just think I'm the only representative of God here mm-hmm. and this person is lost and I have to lead yeah. them to the truth and whatever. And that's just, that's just problematic, you know, mm-hmm. theologically. Well, give okay. So, so there's someone listening, and they're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm convinced. You know, I need to, I need to figure this out. I need to maybe grow in this skill or competency. I mean, what can they do? I mean, maybe they can't take a, a course, they can't go get a diploma, but they want to grow in it. They want to to add it to their repertoire as a leader. They want to begin to maybe experiment. What what advice would you give? What book Matt is the international coach well aside from reading your forthcoming book <laughs> so in terms of actually because coaching is an art not a science so that's why I mean it's all about practice mm. 
And I would say, um, I mean, obviously there's, I, I would say that like part of the problem with coaching is that, and this is a good thing and a bad thing. Part of the problem with coaching is it kind of anyone can do it. And that's really good, but it's not regulated yet. Mm. But in terms of actually just uh, my my advice would be begin to start treating conversations like coaching conversations Mm. and have a list of things that you can, in a sense, treat it like a science. Say, did I do this? And just tick them off. Things like how much what was the ratio percentage of listening to speaking? How much did I do in this conversation? Mm. And when I was sitting with the person for that hour, can I place where my attention was and just in a sense, treat it like, because the the best way to um, learn a habit is to continuously repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. So uh, things like listening, things like um, attention and probably just trying to ask open questions. Don't worry too much about, um, the kinds of uh, questions like, is this a really good question? Just try to ask what, how, tell me more open questions where they cannot say yes or no to. So I would have a few things on a list and I would treat those conversations just like coaching conversations and Mm. see where they go. The other thing I think as a coach starter or someone who's starting off having coaching conversations, if you think of them as your attention, being able to listen, being able to ask questions And just notice, be a noticer. I remember my supervisor said to me, you cannot, you can never predict live performance. So I wouldn't necessarily be going in preparing all the questions that you're going to ask the person because you don't know what they're going to say. So just play what you see. And this is a way I think coaches can give feedback that's very non-confrontational where someone's just talking at you for 30 minutes and they're just talking on and on. And it's very difficult for anyone to really, if they're just to stay attuned. So I've done this. I've, you know, they've, they've been talking and, and I've just stopped them. I said, can I just stop you there for a minute? Um, you know, you've been, um, talking now for 20 minutes and I've just found it very difficult to, to connect this story. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, when you were saying that you're, you're finding it difficult to connect with your staff, could you, ha, do you talk for long periods of time with your staff? And just tell me more about that. I'm no, I'm just noticing something live in the conversation. Or when I was speaking there, you, you, um, turned away and you, you, you rolled your eyes. Do you do that often? You're noticing, you're just, because you're, you're giving things in the moment. And a lot of the time we're not aware of how we're coming across. And that's something, again, that's just something very practical that you mm. can... I think the practicing thing is a really important thing. And I think it's it, it could be scary if you try and quantify the amount of time you've talked versus the other person <laughs> or the amount of times you haven't paid attention and your mind is... Like, if you really concentrate that, it's it's scary with how, yeah, off you go. Um, is there books that you have read or are there videos or are there kind of things that people got or is there um, blogs or either of you maybe that would know that if someone was interested in finding a bit more about it a bit more in depth do you have thoughts on where you'd point people so this is the thing about coaching is it's 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 so you most coaches then would would, would i suppose specialize in a particular area of coaching okay 
Um, so I'm trying to think of more general, like if you're just mm -hmm. starting off, mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a, there's a, it's quite a big book, but it's called, uh, it's not, not too big actually. No, no, not, not to put people off. Sorry, not to put people off. It's like 200 pages, <laughs> but it's called Coaching with Backbone and Heart. Mm. And it talks about the bringing your heart to coaching, but also bringing that backbone, that challenge. Mm -hmm. That's a very general book for whether you're coaching okay. in a, IT mm -hmm. or in, in the church or wherever, yeah. you know, it's kind of looking at those tools. And um, another great book is called Relational Coaching. And it's it's basically it's it's exploring the idea how so much of the success of the coaching will have to do with the quality of the relationship that you have with the other person. Um and he he has a whole he does a lot of research in that when you look at even counseling and psychotherapy a lot of the time it's the quality of the relationship yeah. that determines the success mm -hmm. and that again grounds you in it's not so much my advice that i need to perfect it's my ability relation, to show up relation, and my rapport yeah, yeah. relate those kind of yeah. things yeah i would add um <clears throat> two books for me one is a book called uh, a more beautiful question which is maybe just well, it's actually a connection between the art of question asking and innovation and change in general. So it's a more conceptual book. And then my favorite book, maybe just if you're going to read something quick, it gives you some tools for how to be a coach, is a book called The Coaching Habit. Um, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever is the subtitle of that book. So that's that's maybe more of a mm. practical guide to simple coaching or whatever that i would i would add with michael's two yeah. matthew's two books i think that i think what you said there initially matthew is treating conversations like coaching and i think learning because i think at the end of the day it's going to be the practice and the being there with the person and understanding as you ask a question is that an open question am i giving advice am i making eye contact am i paying attention those things are really important but i think books are helpful too yeah, right, but right, that's right. that would be where I would start if yeah. you're listening. Practice. Saying, saying, yeah, yeah, I would practice. just, it, but almost treat like treat it like it just. I'm gonna just. I don't have to get it right. I yeah. mean, like everyone who's doing coaching is continually they're talking with their supervisor about all the things that they did wrong. But it's just you're just changing your outlook on how this mm. conversation and just could go. Um, I have, I you know I have. A teenager at home so i mean for me that's that's just the easiest place to practice yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. i mean it i mean truly if you have kids and you and they're at a, they're at an age where you can have a conversation oh, yeah, yeah. this is a great skill and it's yeah. a great place to just try to say tell me about what you're feeling and what do you think is the right thing to do here and how do you come to that and what do you want for your life i mean so often you know i i think with with kids or with teenagers in general it's like i want this and we think, well, don't want that. That's not the thing you should be doing right now. But it's about showing them they want something else, actually. They want something deeper, something more mm -hmm. meaningful. So I, I I, don't want to do my homework or study, but I actually want to do well in school and get a good Leaving Cert score and you know, be offered a place in a school I want. So it's, it's it's helping them. It's actually yeah. the same skill of saying, who who are you? What do you want? And tell me about yourself mm -hmm. so that they come to that realization, which is a better way to parent as well, yeah. right? Instead of just saying, no, you will study. <laughs> get it, get in there <laughs> and study. I don't, I don't care. Get in there and study. 
But you know, the longer, the older they get, the more we yeah. have to master that skill. Yeah. yeah. And not Absolutely. just be prescriptive yeah. and controlling and top down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for your time and your insights. Yes, you're you're yeah, a remarkable you. guy. I can thank see you. why you are an international coach. It's so clear now why you're the I wait to read the book and everything. <laughs> international coach, capital I with that. <laughs> All right, good. Thank you. You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis Movement. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Praxis Movement. Subscribe, like, or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or online at praxismovement.com.